Happy Monday, everyone. This is Dr. Anissa Shomo. I'm a family medicine physician and host of the Health is Love podcast. And this is a series that we call Motivation Monday. And we have had some awesome guests, including today's guest, Shauna Jones. And right now we are in the middle of this episode. This is part two of this episode. It was such a soap opera of an episode that we had to make two parts and really had a great discussion with my dear friend, Shauna Jones. We are talking about her experiences working in a bank. Um, she is in the business sector and we get into a whole lot more this episode. So check it out. I wanted to talk about like how sometimes you, you haven't really done anything to anyone. Um, you might have been like, like there's a situation where you felt like someone wronged you um, because like, leaving, like, I, I'm not going to go into 100% what happened, but even though I had decided to leave that job, um, there was a lot of drama and confusion getting towards the exit. Um, or one of my colleagues kind of had it in for me. Like, I don't know. I don't know what that was about. Like, I didn't know her very well. Didn't right. talk. Our, our jobs didn't intersect very well, but she started targeting me in weird ways. And when I, and actually it ended up benefiting me because <laughs> I was able to say, I never had to go back to Pittsburgh, like right around the time where my little remote work contract um, ended, I had already put in my notice and I was like, hey, I don't feel comfortable going back there and like having to be, to interface with this woman, I would prefer to stay here. Um, and do you know what situation I'm talking about, Anissa? I think you um, told me it was something like she said that you pushed her or something like yeah, that. Yeah, she like accused me of doing something that thank God I had witnesses of like we had words and she tried to go to HR and say that I assaulted her. And I was just thanking God that I had witnesses to refute everything she said. And like, I'm like, she tried to like destroy me because she just didn't like me. Right. <laughs> like, and because I, she just didn't like me. And, that's one, and of the things, um, that's one of the things I say to young women, because people will be like, you know, as, how is it? And people will be like, oh, no, everybody's fine. And I'm like, no, some people are not fine. And the biggest mm -hmm. thing about that kind of thing is like, if you are a person who gets jealous about other people and that sort of thing, you need to try to work on that. So because people literally quit jobs over women just being or men just being, you know, really nasty to people, really mm -hmm. rude, or just, I've, I've had the same thing happen to me at the, <laughs> the last job, like the job before the last one I left. Um, I felt like people were targeting me, like for whatever reason, they didn't like me. So it happens all the time. Mm -hmm. It happens all the time where people are just have it out for somebody. And you sound paranoid when you say it, but people yeah. really do have it out for it's people. Honestly, like at the time, because what was crazy about it is, the situation occurred and I wanted to go to HR and decided not to. I like complained to my supervisor and was like, I don't know what her sick obsession is with me, but there's been a couple of incidents at this point. I had never complained about any of them because I mean, honestly, so, you know, my supervisor was like, I, I wish you would have said something sooner. Like, why didn't you? And my words back to her was like, I'm sorry, but as like a black person, if I was to complain about everything that like everything that a white woman did to me, right. <laughs> where right. I felt like it was some sort of weird microaggression or I thought she was doing, I was like, I would be in here every week. Like, so <laughs> such and such told me that my hair looks professional today. Like, what is that? Like, what the right. hell? Like, what does that mean? No, or yeah, such I and such told me like, I would. I would be in here every week talking to you about things. I usually let, I typically let most things roll off of my back. Cause I'm like, I don't talk to her very often. Our jobs don't intersect. Um, so there's really no option, but this incident was so egregious. And that's why we had words because what she did was so egregious that I had to address it in the moment. And, um, and so color me the funnel when I get a call from HR, like, oh, she complained about you. I was like, what? <laughs> that's a mess what and so luckily there I was like well and I tell my side of the story and I'm like well there were several witnesses so I'm like there were eyewitnesses to 
all to what she did to me and to my response. There were several witnesses. Right. People came up to me apologizing and saying they, they're so sorry. They don't know why she did that to me. So I was just like, so they did their investigation. They came back. They were like, yes, we not only did we find this investigation, but that this didn't happen, but they also told her, you need to leave her alone. Like you need to not address her for pretty much any reason. Like go through her supervisor. <laughs> like, like, and but so- my problem is like people like that should just be fired. Like if you're targeting people and that sort of thing, like people shouldn't have to quit their jobs because mm-hmm. they didn't do, you know what I mean? Like you didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. So that's what's always And, so, and that's what I'm talking about. So like, I guess what I wanted to say is like, you're right. You're a hundred percent right. I, under no circumstances, should have had to quit my job. I mean, I didn't quit. It, I quit for a broad, like a multitude of things, reasons. Um, this was icing on the cake, you know, right. just like, okay. Um, but I shouldn't have felt like I did not want to go and finish out my tenure um, like I did. Where I was like, my thing was, I'm like, if she's willing to lie about this, where there was witnesses, I would hate to be back in the office and like bump into her in the kitchenette. And then all of a sudden I've done something else that I did right. not do. So, um, but like, I guess my point is like, sometimes, so sometimes you're in a situation, the environment is toxic. People are legitimately doing harm to you. So my environment had become very toxic to me. I have this woman that was crazy as like, after this incident, I started thinking about it and I'm like, no, actually this was not the first thing. Like she's been doing things. I right. just haven't really been saying that, but I've really been letting stuff just kind of right. rolling off my back. So yeah. I'm just like, so as I'm talking to my supervisor, when I, when I went to go complain to my supervisor and be like, please tell her to leave me alone. If it happens again, I'm going to HR. I was able to recount like, five additional incidents of things that had occurred. And that's why my supervisor was like, I wish you would have said something. And I'm like, girl, like, I don't have time to be, I don't have time <laughs> to be fixating. I, I don't think about her. I don't spend time thinking about right. her. It happens. I'm annoyed. I roll my eyes. I keep it moving. I go back to my job. Um, But I guess my point is like, I did nothing in this situation, yet I'm the one that had to kind of leave, figure out how to pick up the pieces, like figure out, like lose salary, lose all of those things, figure out how to move forward. And I, I, I guess I wanted to just express to people that that's okay. Like it's sometimes you, and not sometimes, really all the time, you need to figure out how to get closure from within, because you may not get that opportunity to get closure externally. Right. So like, if you are with a loved one, if, if, if Anissa, if you and I got into a huge argument, you and I could have a conversation. We could come to terms. It could be agree to disagree. It could be, oh, okay. I see how this was a misunderstanding and you know, this is what was happening and we can get closure that way. But sometimes you might get into there might be a situation that develops and you have to just move forward and right. you may never ever get that apology, some sort of comeuppance, some sort of recompense. You may never get or anyone even like acknowledging. Justice. Even justice, yes. like the, that, the fact that yeah. they should have been fired. Because mm-hmm. I mean, that's the same thing that happened with me. It was, it was a situation very similar and I was the one who left because I was like, and I shouldn't have been the one that had to leave. I didn't do anything wrong. All I did was try to exactly. take care of my patients, you know, but it's it's not worth. I feel like a lot of people do hold on to situations where they they'll they'll be like, no, well, they need to be the one to leave and then just try to kind of give it back. Like, well, let me mm-hmm. try to make their life a living hell. And it's just like, yeah, I don't need to live my life like that. Like, I'm going to move on. I don't need that kind of energy. And exactly. And that's what happened, because um, what's crazy is when I was talking, when I was leaving, the few people that I were um, there was a couple of people that I was friendly with and. Um, not many that I talked about that situation with, um, really I only talked about that situation with like one person who was like a higher up that I had like developed a rapport with. So she knew the situation because she was in the chain of command. Um, but she was not anyone's direct supervisor in the situation. So I talked to her about it and I was like, honestly, I have so much going on in my life. Like my mom is ill. I need to, I need to be helping her. Um, 
I'm, you know, moving, I'm quitting this job, I'm starting whatever, going to school. I'm, I have all these things going on. I'm nursing. I didn't, I don't think I said this, but at the time I'm also like, I'm nursing myself, like myself back to health, like right. mentally, um, physically. But I'm like, I really wish that I had the wherewithal to sue her. Like right. I wanted to. And I said that as whoever I said phrased it, I was just like, if I didn't have so much else going on to focus on and I didn't want to just put this behind me, like I want to put her <laughs> and this job behind me and really never think about you guys ever again. I'm like, I would have sued her. I just didn't have time for a protracted <laughs> issue right. concerning this. I just didn't have the time or energy or mental headspace really to put into it. And she was like, you're better than me. Cause she like, I would sue her over this, like right. over what she's been doing in this specific situation. Because I'm like, you literally tried to get me fired and or arrested because you accused me of, of assault. Right. Because you just don't like me. Like you right. made up no, something. That is not okay. <laughs> That is not okay. Like you just made up a thing. And, and it's like, thank God there was witnesses. Right. So I, I guess my point is like, I've thought about that. Like I've thought about it um, and I had to get past it just on my own. Like, so I get better. Like I'm better and I'm, be- I'm in a better headspace now. And I'm like, you know what? I should have sued that woman. Why didn't I sue her? And but it's just but the like thing is like the trauma of going to court and all that stuff, and you never know how it's gonna work out. I mean, because that's the same thing that happened with me. Like one of my um coworkers was like, "You need to report. You need to report this and that sort of thing." And, and I mean, I, uh, I don't know. It's one of those things. It was a weird situation because it was like you know how like if if it's something egregious where like they assault like they assault you or they do something like that, then it's one thing. But it's a whole other thing when people are trying to like talk around in circles you know what I mean it wasn't like a Mm -hmm. lot of good evidence of a case you know what I mean so it's it's yeah like I was the only witness to the other incidents right there were witnesses to the first so this most this most egregious thing that happened there were witnesses there but she had done other things but it was just in one-on-one like so yeah so I guess my point is like I want people to realize or not to realize but to look for ways to get that healing, that closure and get it from within yourself. Because when you have that, no one can take away, like you, no one can take that away from you. Like no, um, people can't, you don't have, people aren't, you're not impacted rather. Right. So like, I now feel so much better and more clear and more healthy mentally um, so if someone is to be, if I was to encounter the same situation again, one, I would complain immediately about the first incident. Right. right. I like my advice to people now, when I, like, if, if I have a friend that's going through an issue, I'd be like, take them to HR, like to immediately, like, just right. like do it immediately. Because I think that sometimes, especially black people in America, like like you resonated with what I said. It was like if I said something every time a white person did something, I didn't like. Right. <laughs> you know, do you know how often I would be in here? Like e- emails to HR every week. Exactly. It's just like they're gonna, they're gonna be like, girl, what are you doing? But <laughs> my thing is like address things in the moment. Like I feel like I um and it sounds like I'm victim blaming myself. I'm not. I feel like I kind of let things kind of pile and I wasn't recognizing and that's the thing like recognize your triggers like recognize learn to learn what your triggers are and that might come through therapy my biggest I'm a big advocate lately I've just been like yo go to therapy like you need to even if you feel like there's not a specific thing you need to work on like maybe go talk to somebody because sometimes like as you're talking it happens like things come out things get exposed you start realizing what's going on so I'm like now I kind of have learned to recognize what exactly about a situation is irritating me right because sometimes I would be irritating I don't know why like I'm just like I am really every time I come up I'm annoyed and I don't know why I don't know what's going on and what it ends up turning out to when I bring it up to my therapist she was like you don't see the connection and I'm like no (laughs) Like, no, I don't. She's like, you know, she was like, you don't see how this is connected. And I'm like, I, I, I just simply don't. And I learned that one of my biggest triggers is uncertainty. Yeah. Like, I don't like, I don't like confusion. I don't like uncertainty. And which sounds like, 
well, no one likes confusion and uncertainty. <laughs> and I'm just like, no, like I've learned to spot it. Like, so now I can see, okay, I need to ask her for clarification about this because if I don't, it's going to give me anxiety. Right. Like I'm going to have anxiety trying to figure out this specific thing. So now I know to ask for it. Right. And so like, once you learn those things, you find ways to kind of fix things within, like from within, right. don't like, you're not looking from, you're not looking to someone else. Right. And you just learn. And then the, the biggest thing about like, even like reporting stuff to HR or like learning the signs that, cause I've learned, I learned a lot from that lesson too. Um, one of the things that I learned is that. Oh my no, sorry, keep talking. Keep I talking. know, I know, I know. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I was trying to, I lost my train of thought though. Um, one of the things that I learned from that situation was that, um, you know, like when you are going to report somebody to HR, you might give people like usually HR is trying to find a pattern. So that's the biggest thing that they teach you, like when you do HR training and that sort of thing is like, does somebody say one comment to you that was an issue or does somebody do one thing to you that was an issue or are they really have it out for you and they're targeting you? That's generally what they're trying to distinguish. So, you know, if you don't, if you don't feel comfortable talking about the first time that something happens, you might want to see. And then the second time, absolutely report it because I, I teach a lot about that. I teach. Um, uh, different people just in, uh, in the medical field about microaggressions in medicine. And so that's one of the things that people sometimes feel like, number one, they feel like, well, I don't want to pour every single thing, but it's just, it's like, it's more like seeing if there's a pattern developing. So that's number one. Yeah. Number, two, number two is allyship is so important because when I went through my situation and when I had this, you know, all going down, once I finally realized it, cause like I said, it was very subtle. So it kind of like mm. all came together for me at some point. We're like, oh, I see what's going on here. And I was so angry. I was so angry because I was like, I absolutely do not deserve this. I absolutely do not deserve this. I was like, I've done everything for this job. I've put everything into it. And to have people come and try to go out of their way to make you into a problem. Like, I was so angry. I was like, I can't, I can't. I was like, I can't. <laughs> so, no so, and that's what happens and that's when you're like I'm just gonna go so that, like and that's I, like I said like and it, but it was, was it was like <laughs> I was gonna go like but so like I had to communicate it though you know what I mean so you get so angry with even communicating it right so I'm getting I'm emailing and I'm angry at my emails right my tone is very angry in the email you know <laughs> so so I told my boss like my boss I'm like I'm very angry at the situation. This is crazy. I need help. I need you. And I literally said, you know, I feel like the most effective I've ever been at this job is when you as a white man repeated everything I said it needed to happen. And when, when you repeated what I said, they would do it. And I said, so I need you as my advocate and my ally to speak for me on, this, on my behalf because I know that, mm -hmm. they, that it will come different from you. I know it's going to come different from you. They will perceive it differently from you than they will perceive it from me. And so that's yeah. having those out. And that's what has helped me stay. Like That's why I didn't have to com completely quit my job because I had allies and supportive people who said, I'm so sorry that this is happening to you. This is absolutely mm -hmm. not fair. You did absolutely you know nothing what? wrong. And we're going to find you a different job and get you out of there. I, I'm so glad you brought that up because I had tried to put, like I jotted down like a couple of like notes because I want to, there was a few things I wanted to hit. And the one thing that I forgot to hit was asking for help. Like knowing, recognizing, like not being afraid to ask for help. And, you know, and, and taking, literally taking that step. Like if you recognize you're in a bad situation, really looking like kind of doing an, maybe a self-eval of like what your resources are what are your available resources because right. you might not see a way out like like I said like I'm 100% aware that everybody just can't up and quit they dang on job <laughs> like right. everybody just can't do it and I'm not advocating for that like you need to do that self-check of like okay so what do I need to is there a six-month plan is there a one-year plan and it helps I have another friend that was recently in a very toxic work environment and 
she literally had like a post-it note on her computer, a countdown to putting in her notice. Like she had a countdown going on and she would like change it to like the number of weeks. And that was what helped her just get through the rest of the week. She was waiting for like a specific point in time where she would like earn some sort of bonus. And she was like, soon as that bonus is in the bank, I am putting in my notice and she had a countdown going and it really helped her. And so whatever that point in time is, like just trying to figure out how am I going to cope and get to where I'm going to be, but you're not alone. Yeah. It feels, you feel alone. Right. You, you, when you're depressed or you have anxiety, you feel alone and you feel that people will judge you. Um, for the fact that you're having these sort of mental issues. But, um, I, and Anissa, you were the person that gave me the language to figure out what was happening and to help identify what was happening because you pointed out that a depressed brain or an anxious brain doesn't want you to get better. Like your brain is actively working against you. So there are things that you know that you can do that will help, but your own brain will tell you not to do the things. Well, like, because one of the symptoms is a lack of motivation. Right. <laughs> like, so you like kind of, I think just because you're a medical professional was able to help put into words what was going on. And because I was reluctant to get the pills. That's what it was. Right. I, I didn't want to take the medication. And you're like, oh, that's your depression. Your depression is telling you not to do it. Like your depression is talking down to you. It's kind of, right. it's kind of like if you had a friend, like you ever had like a friend of me that always put you down, like your brain is doing that. Right. And, <laughs> and so I, for, for me, it's being, it's being a, a family medicine doctor, which we do a lot of mental health. But for me, I went through it. Like, you know, when I, like, I don't, I haven't completely, I need to have an interview about this time in my life, but when Ooh, I was, in med- when I was <laughs> doing reverse the world, I'd be like, Anissa, tell right. me about it. <laughs> when I was in middle school, I went through a really rough time. And there were times when I felt suicidal. And, and like, it's weird when your brain, like your, your body is supposed to keep you surviving, right? And so that's yeah. generally when I have people who feel suicidal or depressed, I just tell them like, it's a lie. It's all a lie. Your brain is lying to you. You can't trust your brain right now. Whatever is telling you, yes. do the opposite, you know, <laughs> because no, and honestly, that, um, advice is something that I have held near and dear. Um, I've told it to other people and it has helped them. Um, I think understanding the, what's happening, like, and and that's my point. It's just like, learn to recognize when something has become toxic, because I think it happens very subtly. Like I just described a period of like two and a half years where it was just like, if I could pinpoint a specific moment, like, you know, you try to think back, but, and then you'll realize that it was like, oh, wow, that was like two or three years ago that right. this happened. And that should have been my red flag there. But then I stayed and then these things happened and that could be anything, a job, a relationship, a friendship, like a, a romantic relationship or a friendship relationship. Right. Um, any, Which literally your family anything. too. Sometimes family. Like, <laughs> we Rochelle yeah, and I already I, had that conversation, but yeah, yeah I, I was. Mean, I listened kind to the Rochelle episode, <laughs> and I did not realize that she had gone no contact with her dad. But I was glad to hear it because of some of the things that had. I wanted her to put herself first, and it sounds like she really has. And I've yeah. been able to recognize that, and it's kind of crazy because. So I started. I I went to therapy but it was very briefly. Like I did just enough to kind of, I was like, I feel like I'm going to snap and I needed something to help me not snap. And then I actually got on like a a medication, like an anti-anxiety medication and it helped. And then I stopped going to therapy because one, I don't think I connected very strongly with my therapist. And once the medication kind of kicked in, it felt, it blunted a lot of my anxiety, which was my biggest issue. Like I couldn't deal with the anxiety anymore. Um, But I recently, well, not recently, I had hit my one year anniversary. So last year in 2020, on my birthday, I started therapy. So this year in 2020, (laughs) on my birthday, it was my my one year anniversary. So I'll always be able to recognize when that anniversary hit. Um, But I dedicated myself to going on a regular basis 
And I was talking to my husband once and he was just like, I was like, I, I was like, I feel like I've noticed, I'm noticing change. Have you noticed the change? And he was like, yes, like you're much lighter. Like you're not like, he was like, I definitely see like, there's more like a levity to you that was not there. And sometimes it's very difficult to, for, to recognize that. Like he right. had a situation where he was in a toxic work environment and he left and maybe a month or so later, I remarked to him that his demeanor had changed. Like, it, you know, you don't always recognize it. It's very subtle. It kind of creeps in and you right. don't realize it's weighing you down, but it is. So I, I, if I could like leave anyone with any lasting thing is like, learn to recognize like the triggers or the things that are no longer serving you or, you know, what's going to take you back to like a negative headspace because and knowing you, what my you, triggers are yeah. has helped me navigate things that normally I would just be irritated by. Right. <laughs> and it was hard to like a big to do and I'm just right. annoyed, you know. But, but part of that learning your triggers was asking for help to like exactly. asking for and help was, to figure them out. Yeah, ask for help. Like, I, first of all, I love psychology and I'm reading about it all the time. However, I, until I got into actual therapy, like I wasn't able to navigate these things. I just, yeah. You know, I mean, so it's just really helpful. Um, it's really helpful to ask, like, ask for help. Do not feel, um, don't feel like discouraged or embarrassed by the fact that it's an issue. I, I've heard right. that before. I've heard people be like, I'm embarrassed that this is an issue that I'm dealing with. Right. Like, why, why am I not stronger? That's a myth. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of stigma around mental health. I think people don't really understand it. And I try to explain it to people in that it's a lot of times it's the chemicals in your brain that are, you know, having issues. And there's a lot of things you can do to boost the, that serotonin, that norepinephrine, we have medications, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of natural things you can do too. But I just tell people like, you know, it's just like having an insulin deficiency where you need, you know, where you might need help with some insulin if you have diabetes. And we just have to try to normalize it. One of the biggest things I always say is, you know, in America, it's one of those, it's just a, you know, we have a lot of problems, but mental mm -hmm. health access and just mental health, the way we talk about mental health in the U.S. Um, is problematic. And I just say, could you imagine what kind of country we would have if instead of having bars on every corner, we had mental health that was accessible to people, that was cheap? Like, what if you could go in and get a, a $10, you know, therapy session instead of Honestly, a drink, you know? <laughs> if I could make a single reform to, okay. If we had to keep the current and structure of health insurance in this country, which is whack. Our right. health insurance situation <laughs> is whack. Um, but if I could only fix one thing, what I would fix is mental health should be just preventive care. Like it should right. be up there with everything else. It should be up there with the physical. Um, although I guess the physical is only once a year, but it should be, it should just be a thing that people at least once a month, there should be like 12 wellness checks a year mental wellness checks that a year that should be permitted and we would probably see a decline in a lot of other issues right um just like I saw somebody somebody tweeted one day they were like they're like half the people in therapy are in therapy trying to learn how to cope and deal with the people in their lives that refuse to go to therapy and I feel like that's probably accurate. <laughs> There's no way to make that a quantitative thing, but right. I feel like that's probably accurate. Like you, you would Everybody be surprised. Like therapy. there are so many people that now that I've been doing this, like going to, ther to therapy regularly for a year, I'm just like, this person needs to go get them some therapy. Like I've just been talking to them. <laughs> well, see, that's the problem with the stigma. People don't want you to say you need to go get I mean, the thing is, if we all if we all did it, then it would be it would be more we would be able to talk about it more openly. But the problem is people would be like, Well, what you trying to say? I'm crazy. And I always say, I'm like, I feel like we all a little crazy. We just there's different ways yeah. we manifest it, and there's people crazy little, uh, you can deal with, and there's there's some people who got a little bit of you know a double. Yeah, like, you know? <laughs> uh, hit, hit me with the um. That's, that's a quote from the movie Scream. Like we all go a little mad. <laughs> <laughs> I just mean that you know, 
everybody, everybody's personality is different. So the way we perceive, you know, that sort of thing can be different. But I think that we shouldn't have to tell people to go to therapy. You know what I mean? Like I want a society. Yeah, like just go. Everybody goes and it's a normal thing. And people don't have to be thinking, you know, because I mean, it depends on the relationship you have with your therapist. I know a lot of people who go to therapy and are not honest. That was one of the I was just about to say that. I'm like, well, first off, Anissa, I there, I feel like we're presenting therapy as this like cure-all. And I'm just right. like, well, no, because some of y'all are in therapy and y'all doing it like Molly on Insecure. <laughs> And y'all lying to y'all therapists, not telling the truth. Like, if you can't be honest to anybody else, you should be able to be honest with your therapist. Because but the problem is the people, that's aren't the, honest, the people aren't honest with themselves. And that's, and that's mm. the biggest thing for a lot of people who really could benefit from therapy. Because for me, I, I've actually never been to therapy. I need to go just because I've dealt with a lot of stuff. But How did Lisa be in the false prophet? Probably <laughs> <laughs> a false prophet. I mean, I wish I could have gone when I was going through that hard time when I was young. Um, and I've been, I've been to different, I've been to like a group, like a group kind of therapy session, but I've never, you know, had that one-on-one experience. Um, and, but for me personally, um, I feel like I'm very honest about what I have going on and how I feel. Sometimes it is hard to recognize, like you were saying, like, you know, your triggers and that sort of thing. So I definitely do feel like I want to go to therapy, but it's just one of those things of, you know, first of all, I'm just very honest with myself. So I can, I can say like, I feel like, I think before, like for me, that's like step one, step one of, you know, the fact that I want to go to therapy is that I can recognize when I feel a certain way, like I'm very in touch mm-hmm. with my emotions and I'm very in touch with my truth. And even if I'm embarrassed about something, I'm not going to lie about it. Like, you know, I just feel like a lot of people get really embarrassed about a lot of things and they create these whole stories and these whole narratives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, Girl, how is therapy supposed be, to help you? I'm if like, you... you all made up a whole backstory <laughs> instead of just admitting <laughs> Right. You know, I think that's part of it is just that people have to let go of that embarrassment of because people like we all like that's one of the things I talk about in my book is like you have to forgive yourself. I feel like a lot of people have a hard time going to therapy and being honest because they still are feeling like, well, I wish I wouldn't have done that or I, w- I should have done things differently. And it's mm-hmm. like most of us go through situations that we've never been through before. We don't know how we're going to respond mm-hmm. to it. We're just responding to it in the moment. So you have to have some forgiveness of yourself to know Mm -hmm. that you're just a human like everybody else and we're going to make mistakes and we're going to need help and we're going to, you know, but you have to, but first of all, you have to be honest about that. Yes. Uh, um, I listened to, I'm I'm not going to say the podcast because I'm not going to plug another podcast. Listen to health is love. Everyone (laughs) listen to health is love. Um, (laughs) but no, uh, on another podcast, another advocate for therapy she talked about that the you know getting past the anger towards yourself for dealing with or handling the situation the way that you handled it and what her therapist told her was imagine yourself as like a child that you have to nurture and take care of and raise and you know, you know, just continue to raise, like you're continually to continuing like to nurture, nurture yourself. Like, yeah, exactly. And it's like, would you, so if your child made a mistake, say your child, say you just bought a fresh gallon of milk and your child accidentally knocked it over and it spilled everywhere. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did this. Like, would you continue it? Like, would like a month from now, you'd be berating that child over that milk would you know a year right. from now remember that milk that you spilled what the hell like what was that like right. would you do that like no you would you know salvage what you could maybe tip maybe right. tilt the gallon back up clean up clean it up get grab some paper towels clean it up mop do whatever you need to do and then you would move on and so literally for a while and I said I, I, I if you find a mantra that resonates with you um that's something that maybe put it on a post-it note and put it someplace where you see it um so I put stuff sometimes around my computer at work like I'm sitting there all day I might as well put, put something there that will make me feel better yeah, like or, affirmations affirmations can be really helpful for people. yes they can and so for a while like when I, I was kind of in a low place so I 
quit my job, I went to culinary school, decided culinary school wasn't for me, took another job um, that I wasn't sure that I was really into and was just kind of feeling a little down. And so one of the, and then I heard this, I heard the spilt milk analogy and literally wrote down like what she said, which was clean up the spilled milk of your life and look forward. And that helped me. It's just, okay, so this happened. It happened. Now what? So what are we going to do? We're going to fixate, ruminate, think about, ponder, maybe ponder the lessons that are in it, but do not sit there and harp on the situation that happened because that situation happened already. I mean, think of it like economics. That's the sunk cost. It already happened. So what are we taking from it? What did we learn from it? Um, if the answer is nothing, if the answer was, oh my gosh, I learned nothing. These people were terrible to me. They did. Then, okay. The lesson that you learn from it is how to read the signs of a terrible person and how to curate your life accordingly. Right. So I try to curate my life. Like I try to, I check for the people who are checking for me. I put the energy into people who are putting the energy into me. Um, I try to think about what is bringing value, what no longer serves me. Is this still serving you in the same way? Right. Is something that you used to enjoy suddenly become a drain for you? So for and a recent example of that, um, completely unrelated to anything we've been talking to, Chrissy Teigen, she put out a notice that she was leaving t- Twitter. And people were like, oh my gosh. A couple months ago, I was like, she sh- I was thinking to myself that she probably should get off Twitter right. because I follow her. I was seeing her messages and I was like, it reminded me of how I was reacting to the things that I was saying before I stopped using Facebook. Right. Like I sat there and was like, this isn't serving, like it's not serving me. It's bringing anger, anguish angst (laughs) like I'm not I'm not keeping up with cute kittens and who had a baby anymore (laughs) I'm having these long like diatribes or discussions about politics and about and it's just drain is emotionally and mentally draining I do not want to see that my best friend's mom is a jerk who hates whomever I don't know hates And that's the biggest thing about social media. Social media can can have its good points, but it also can have its bad points. So taking a, I mean, that's the biggest thing. You have to disconnect mm-hmm. at times and just try to learn the signs. Like I'm the same way. Like when I feel like, you know, I, I really don't, don't mess with Twitter all like that because Twitter can be a lot. Um, and mm-hmm. I mean, now I mostly just use it in a superficial way. But it's, it, but even on my Facebook, like literally Facebook only shows me birthdays and congrats because that's what that's how I've curated my Facebook to only see positive things and that's what I'm talking about (laughs) like curating your life so like for me um Twitter can be draining if you allow it to be right so I I guess the worst thing about Twitter is that um if you say something and you don't have your account private then anybody can see it and then anybody can respond to it like anyone who searches any term and there are people there are like psychos out there that like literally search terms or have alerts for terms and will come and attack anyone who says anything about the time so there's those things that could occur um the great part about it is that you get exposed to when you see things that you never would have seen like or you can learn news really quickly you can figure out what's going on if I see a news story that I'm interested in I can search it and I can see people in real time talking about it so I think that the the lesson there is just kind of curating your feed right um for me I I look at Twitter more than I actually post and me too and so I have like 70 followers because I don't very seldom it's far and few between every now and then I'm like I feel moved in my spirit to say something but for the most part I don't say anything because I really don't want to interact with anyone I just kind of want to see things I want to see puppies I want to actually that's a lie I want to see kittens I don't care about puppies if a puppy filters its way in then that's fine I'll look at it and enjoy it but I won't enjoy it as much as if it was a kitten so 
but I want to, and I want to see food. So lately I've been literally following like chefs and black creators. Like that's what I've been following. And there's people who I actually agree with the things that they say. I enjoy their opinions, but they bring an energy that I'm not trying to have. And so I'll unfollow them. It's not like, it's like, I'm, I'm just, some people like that. Like they like to, they like the banter. They consider it banter. What I would consider an argument, they consider banter and they, and that's what serves them. They like that. They like that energy back and forth. I don't, I don't want to see you arguing back and forth with somebody about, Nothing, is it okay basically. for men to call women females? I don't care. <laughs> like, do no man in my life is doing that. And that's what I care about. I don't care if random person on Twitter want to say it. I, and so, and that's my thing. Like, my thing is like, I'm not, if I see that the energy somebody is bringing is just kind of like bringing that frenetic argumentative right I back off like I'm just like all right well let me go ahead and unfollow you you're not bringing what I what I need but if someone's posting oxtails and I'm like okay somebody posted cute cakes okay so I've been and that's what I'm talking about like you can literally curate your life yeah like you can curate your life you can do the things that bring you joy right and that is actually my 2021 thing like a 2020 2020 was survival. Like we're like, right. let's get through right. this year, salvage what we can. Of it. <laughs> um, uh, it was a get it was some a toilet paper. Girl. Get all the toilet paper. <laughs> girl, I made a vision board. No, so I'm sorry. I saw some article that said that um, that Suez Canal ship blockage thing. Yeah. They were like, oh, it might result in a toilet paper shortage. And I was like, oh, we've come full circle. <laughs> we've come full circle. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so but no I guess my thing For is 2021 like, I made a vision board in 2020 I did what I could right with the resources that I had right. <laughs> with 2020 but what for yeah. 2021 actually I and I have to I'm going to make a board I'm still going to do it I know I'm I know I'm about a, we're into the second quarter so I know I'm a little off but what I really my focus has been identifying and identifying the things that bring me joy, that bring me peace, that bring me happiness and pouring my energy into those things. And not, I I found out a weird thing about myself. So sometimes you find out weird things about yourself in therapy. I found out that I, um, I don't, I, I don't know if it's like a people pleaser, but I do I agree to do things. I agree to help people. I like to help people. Right. So I agree to do things that I don't always necessarily want to do. And it brings me um, stress. Right. <laughs> and right. I, so what I've, so what I've decided to do is to like really start being more okay with saying no, right. with, with, and we're just being like, you know, like, no, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to do that. Like that kind of stuff. Like I'm not, I didn't know that because like my friends think I'm super straightforward and I'm, and I'm, you know, I say what's on my mic and I do, but there was still this part of me that I didn't even realize was there. Like I didn't right. realize that I was, I didn't realize that I was overextending myself right. until I started re- recognizing, like you said, like, like I have talked about learning to recognize your triggers like well why is this upsetting to you why is it how did I even get here why how am I involved in it how is it how can can I extricate myself from this right and I actually have talked to a life coach so like when I was after I went through that whole situation where I changed jobs I talked to a life coach about that too because I had that same problem and one of the biggest things that we talked about was just like figuring out what your values are and only saying yes to things that are in line with your values but also you know, like something I learned from somebody else was if you say yes to one thing, you have to say no to something else. Like you can't just add stuff to your plate and add stuff to your plate. Mm -hmm. You have to think about, well, if I say yes to this, then what can I say no to over here? And the other thing is you don't necessarily have to say no, because sometimes it's hard hard to say no, right? You can say, well, let me think about that or I'll get back to you. (laughs) You know, like the non-no, no. Um, so there's just a lot of stress. I don't like a non-no. No, I think that people should just be more comfortable with saying no. <laughs> and I, I, no, I'm, I'm serious. Like I, 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 I've become an advocate of the no as a sentence. 
Yeah. Yeah. No period. And like without even the explanation, because really no one is owed an explanation for how you spend your time or what you're choosing to do. No one is owed. I can determine that like a certain level of friendship. Like if you call me and at least if you call me and ask me to do something and I'm not able to do it for a reason, I'm going to tell you the reason. I'm not going to just be like, no, (laughs) but I mean, but in true and in all honesty, even you would not be owed that additional explanation. So I think that like, we need to, as a, as a society, I think in general, we need to like, what, yeah, make no okay whatever right. normalize no like right. whatever, whatever they be saying on Twitter. <laughs> normalize no <laughs> no yeah, I mean yeah, my thing important. is like yeah like people do feel obliged and I think the point of the matter is you're not obliged you're not you are you're putting that on you or you're allowing someone to right. put that obligation onto you and you don't really have to so um but don't, I think you don't have to be a jerk is... like you don't have to be a jerk right. just um start I guess like I would I wish that I think that both of us are basically saying like it's really helpful to be honest with yourself right and that will alleviate a lot of stress and strife and being honest with yourself will and being willing to act on that honesty right will alleviate a lot of stress and strife and it's better I mean it's easier said than done right I'm not going to try to act like well, now I just tell people I ain't doing right. it. Like, you know, that's not, that, think, that's not a hundred percent. I think for me, I had to like learn a little bit more just on myself. Like, you know, that's why, I, that's why I wrote the book about reflections because, yeah. you know, I, I just, I process, I do pretty well with processing things on my own. So it was like a lot of writing, a lot of processing that I did when I was going through a lot of things in, in a, like a short amount of time. And one of the things that I had to really think about was why? why do I overextend myself to people? You know, and I think that for me, it was just like, I really, I really did enjoy, because that's one of the ways I cope with things is like community service. And so it makes me feel better about myself and Mm. to just be like doing all this stuff. And I just had to be like, you don't have to do that. You are enough. You don't have Mm -hmm. to do all of these things to feel better about yourself. Just feel better about yourself. You know, (laughs) for me, I don't think that it's, I feel, um, I don't think that I'm doing it to make myself feel better. I think that I genuinely do care about mitigating my impact on other people's lives. So, and I don't, so like what happens is like, if I can't assist with something, I feel like I have to find the solution. And I think that that is um, just ingrained in me. it's ingrained in a lot of people, especially it, based off of just like we'd have to have a whole other <laughs> podcast to talk about stuff. But yeah. there's, um, you know, the people who I pattern myself after, whether I want it intentionally or not, the people who raised me and who I pattern myself after were problem solvers. They were fixers. Right. And I think that sometimes I'm like, well, I think that like, if I'm like, oh, I won't, I'm not able to do this. I need to figure out blah, what really actually I don't need to figure out. Right. Like, I don't have to figure that out. Like, it's not for me to figure it out. Like you did your obligation to the situation. And like I said, like, it's fine if you want to be like, you don't, I'm not advocating people being jerks, but I am advocating people standing up for, yes, I am advocating people standing up for their due like what are you do as a person right because people will take that and run with it Mm -hmm. like they will they will take your kindness and they will run with it and some and you have to be careful like you have to be careful with who you're extending that kindness to because some people are master manipulators and they will continue so you have to recognize that like hey I'm a I'm the type of person that likes to help and I'm a people pleaser and then start thinking about like hey am I am I doing too much am I adding to my own stress because I'm constantly doing too much and then why is that who am I extending myself for? Are they old this overextension? Some people are. Yeah. Like some, pe- like parents, some people are. Like if it's your mom or. Yeah. 
you or know, they, like if you have a good relationship with your parents, they've done it for you, like you right. know, and like that, you know, they would they would do it for you, and they right. would truly do it for you, not people, you know, not people that you think that you're like, oh, this is my friend. Sometimes you, you know, we do a whole another episode on friends and identify <laughs> friends and who, people we thought were friends. Right. Yeah. For sure. But yeah. Well, we had a really good so. conversation. Um, this has been really good. I, I'll probably, I'm, I don't know. I might split this into two episodes. Cause this is, oh, no, it would be a shot of part two. Part, <laughs> part two. No. So we'll see. But yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. We've had a great conversation. I could talk to you literally all day as is evident. I know, I'm like, uh, when you get two besties like, together. <laughs> I'm like, trying to listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like a seven hour podcast. Like, sorry. sorry, guys. I also like to talk. So these like to talk. I like to talk. We get on the phone. We, we always overstay. Always, <laughs> our time. <laughs> like, all right, girl. Well, I didn't cook dinner. I didn't know. Uh, <laughs> I didn't uh, ran a mile, you know. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. That definitely happens. We're like, oh, like, well, I. Right, out this entire... I'm talk to you later. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and my husband just got home. I, I, it's, it's, so, so, right, no, right, I, well. Well, I, I love what you're doing. Thank you for having me. Um, Thank you so much I, for joining well, us. Yeah. I, I love, you're doing I love great, what you're, we're you're, doing. You're doing amazing, sweetie. Thank you. I just, I just really want to, you know, inspire people and motivate them. And I said, well, I have some really inspiring and motivating friends. I feel like we, I have a lot of friends I have really great conversations with. So I just wanted to kind of share some of that mm-hmm. with the world. Cause you know, we talk like this all the time, you know, <laughs> that is true. I'm like, I'm like listeners. This is really you eavesdropping on an episode or, right. or, epi- or a conversation rather of me and Anissa's normal conversations. Yeah. We'll, we'll start talking about Real Housewives and next thing you know, we're like, so I just think that the problems of society could all be solved if, <laughs> if people would go to therapy and be honest. Exactly. Go to therapy, y'all. Go to therapy. Thank you so much. I think we've solved all the world's problems. We'll have to save we the did. rest of them for another day. Um, but thank you so much. This is really great. And I will talk to you soon about some housewives. We got to catch up on that for real, actually. I know. <laughs> I have a pen yet. So. <laughs> All, All right. right. We'll I talk to you later. You. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. Bye. Motivation Monday. Motivation Monday. Motivation Monday. Motivation Monday. Motivation Monday. Motivation Monday. Motivation Monday.